Welcome back to Pool Talk, the podcast where we talk about the value of swimming pools in the UK and just how important it is to get people swimming. Episodes are released every Tuesday on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please send us an email to pooltalkuk at outlook.com or find us on Facebook. Welcome back, everyone. One of the swimming environments that is becoming more and more popular in the UK is the spa resort. Now, for many, the spa resort conjures up images of pampered, middle-aged people with more money than sense, an opportunity to be a member of a very exclusive club and to be able to show friends their personalised membership card. How wrong they can be. Today's spa resort focuses on well-being, combining physical fitness, mental health, as well as a great feel-good factor. The settings for spas can often be found in elegant surroundings, but are they for everybody, or just those who can afford very high membership fees? We are delighted to welcome to today's podcast Yvonne Ebden, who is the General Manager of the UK Spa Association, and who is the best possible voice to be able to describe what we can expect to see in a spa resort, as well as the benefits that we can gain. Most importantly, though, is whether a spa resort is accessible for everyone. Yvonne, when we start thinking about spa resorts and talking about spa resorts, perhaps the first thing I ought to ask you to do is, can you describe exactly what a spa resort is, please? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's funny that you use the term spa resort. So often from a consumer point of view, they may go to a spa, they may choose to go to a day spa, they could go to a hotel spa and um, they could go to a destination spa and, you know, the list continues. And, and so really, in my mind, the spa resort, as you're talking about, is that that is um, linked together with accommodation. So predominantly hotel spas um, that offer facilities, treatments, wet area, relaxation area. And then they've got the restaurant, food and beverage facilities. And then typically there's the hotel attached in some way where they can then obviously kind of extend that stay on to make that more of a, a lengthy process. And I've got to ask the question, Yvonne, haven't I? Is a spa only used by middle to the wrong end of middle-aged ladies who have probably got more money and time on their hands than the sense of what to do with it? Absolutely not. Um, no, I think that is, and you're probably quite right to think, you know, to talk about that myth, actually. I think... Way back when, um, you know, spas were thought of as fairly elite and they were thought of as a a wealthy health spa potentially that you would go to um, for a weekend or a day and ladies that lunch, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And and that's really not the case. Spas are so, um, they've they've become kind of adapted to the the consumer of the future. And price-wise, they range from anything to, I don't know, a lower end of the scale, kind of £50 for a mini treatment depending on where you're looking to go and what kind of experience you want all the way up to the higher end where we're talking closer to the 200 pound mark and again suitable for all genders and many of them are now also um, catering for gender awareness and so that's obviously something that is also mindful when we talk about is it for females is it for males spas are for anybody from any gender from any ethnicity in any background or culture and the same in terms of price. You know, mm. it's it's affordable um, and can be depending on, on what you want. Is, um, is the spa then, 
is there an increase both in the number of spas available and in the amount of use of spas? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the UK now there's over 900 spas across wow. all wow. of the nations, which is is incredible um, and massively exciting. Um, and I think, yeah, now people are more, they're aware, aren't they? So to say that word, especially with the pandemic lately, that's caused people to become more aware of their body, their mind, their mental health, their physical health. Um, and so if they weren't aware of spas before, or maybe they're not even aware of spas now, they're aware of the benefits of exercise, water included in that. And they're also aware of the benefits of perhaps meditation or a treatment or self-care in some way. So you know, the word spa might not come into their head necessarily, but the usage of such has is definitely on the increase. And if not more so, I think once industries open up, spas will be needed more than ever. And it's interesting. Um, the terminology there is interesting because, well, I mean, when you talk to Mike and I about spas, we immediately think bubble pool, hot water, people sit in, and then you go through all of the list of health and safety things in our heads. But um, that word actually doesn't just mean the spa pool. It's also all the treatments around the, around it. So what, what kind of treatments are there for people who would go to a spa resort? Um, gosh, I mean, that, that varies depending on the spa. So some spas, if we're talking, I don't know, a typical four-star, four to five-star hotel spa, which has, um, I don't know, five to 10 treatment rooms, for example, often they will have a multitude of spa brands. So they will use two different um, product brands, which will be used for facial treatments, body massage, wraps, scrubs. Um, they may also have manicure and pedicure stations available so that people can have the more kind of grooming treatments, if you like. So spas can really cater for so many needs and you don't have to go to a spa and use every single thing. You can, you know, I was talking only to a, a friend that you may know very well, Mike, um, just this morning about how we both can't wait to go for a spa. And for us, it's not about the treatment. It's about the water, the experiences and a comfy relaxation room. And if we can just turn our phones off and lie on a lounger for most of the day using the water when we want using the thermal experiences then we're happy <laughs> the the sort of spas which you're talking about would a spa have a swimming pool Yvonne would it have a spa pool or would it tend to have both typically it would have both um whether the swimming pool you know when we say swimming pool that doesn't just mean pool that you can do lengths up and down for example if you look at some city hotel spas they just don't have the space they're they're small and narrow but they they go upwards so in terms of kind of an indoor basement pool for example that may be a smaller more leisure pool and then you'd have a spa hashtag or sorry um what's the word jacuzzi mm -hmm. um which I hate that terminology because that's a brand, good, as good. we know. Yeah. Um, Just call it a spa pool or a bubble pool. A spa pool, pool. Yeah. 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 They would have that in addition to that. But often, and more and more, we're seeing other additions. So, for example, outdoor infinity pools. We're seeing um, the hydrotherapy pools with the swan neck jets and the different bubble actions that can be relaxing and therapeutic on the back, as well as the, the standard typical kind of spa pool. So a lot of spas now will have multiple pools which again is great because it, it extends that offering and gives people the option of what they want to do whilst they're there, what benefits they want to get from each type of pool. So is it, how important is the pool then on the spa experience? I think hugely. I think from a consumer point of view, um, and this is purely my perception, people don't book spas based on the fact 
they've got five pools or one pool. You know, if there's a pool, great, that's part of the spa experience. But what we do tend to notice is if, for example, there's issues in terms of the pool has to be closed for some reason and guests are informed of that in advance, nine times out of 10, they will cancel that spa day, reschedule it because that is obviously a key part. So whilst they might yeah. not think it's a, a key thing when they're selecting, you know, in terms of does it have five pools, does it have one? It really is an important, important element. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Yvonne, you, you, you mentioned hydrotherapy pools in, in some of the hotel spas and the destination spas. Um, a lot of people consider the hydrotherapy pool as a facility to be used by post-operative, special needs, uh, and basically, it'll be a funny-shaped pool with different depth levels in it, ramps and hoists and support, etc. Where does the hydrotherapy pool in a spa, uh, in a hotel spa or a spa resort, fit into that? I think that's a really good point. Actually, I think sometimes it's the definition of the pool. So obviously, we know in the industry, um, hydrotherapy pool are of a certain temperature, and like you say, they've got the additional jets. They might have varying levels, but more often than not, it's got the underwater beds. Um, with certain jets behind the back area, kind of the um, the round kind of hold on area where you can have jets under the feet, into the back. And again, your average Joe that goes to a, a spa pool, for example, or goes to a spa for the weekend or for a day, wouldn't necessarily go with the mindset of that's a hydrotherapy pool. Therefore, I could use that for rehabilitation because I've got an injury or whatever. Mm. But I think it's really important that we as spa operators kind of educate consumers on the benefits that these types of spa pools within the destination and hotel spas can have. Because whilst re rehabilitation, absolutely, for the more medical and post-operative care is, a, is an absolute must. And, and many spas do work with some kind of local, you know, social prescription type things in terms of doctors and et cetera. But many spas tend to operate the hydrotherapy as an additional well-being, relaxation, and, and the, the power of the jets more than anything else. Does the hydrotherapy pool with the various jets, sprays, etc., does that provide any therapeutic benefit or does it just provide, very importantly at the moment, the, the mental well-being and feel-good factor for people who come uh, to a spa? Yeah, I think it actually, personally, it, it does both. For example, if I've got tight neck and shoulders, I would, I never have a massage. Personally, if I go to a spa, I don't have a massage. Not because I don't think they're any good, I just can't stand them I get a bit jittery so I opt for a facial for example so to me even though I've got tight neck and shoulders and lower back pain I will purposely then go into the hydrotherapy pool and stand under that swan neck and make sure that I feel that I'm getting the benefits which then also because you're focusing on that and you're probably focusing on your breathing and you know not inhaling lots of water you're also then focusing on the mind. Do hotel spas then do you think they promote that aspect well enough? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, many hotel spas, you know, train their reservation. In fact, every hotel spa trains their reservation team to really know and understand the benefits of the pools, the you know, the thermal facilities, as well as the treatment. So when guests do call to book, they can really give them that kind of attention and guidance as to what they're looking for. And obviously, when they get there, which is probably the most the more important point, is that they are personally often guided round told how long to spend in each thing, told what the benefits are. So even if that person didn't make the booking, so the husband did, partner did, whoever, but they get there, they get that guided knowledge. So, so they can Yeah, that, that that's such an important point. Isn't it? So so anybody that comes to to a spa uh, for the first time can come 
they're probably, they, or not probably, they could be a little bit nervous about what they're going to get, what they're going to have, what options they're going to have, what it's going to look like, so they can come along in the knowledge that they are going to be taken around, held hands, so they can have everything explained to them. That's got to be very important, surely, isn't it? Absolutely. It's crucial. And I think that's where, you know, we're, the UK Spar Association are doing a massive kind of um, future piece in terms of the consumer and the, and the thought process behind spas and really the benefit of them. And I think supporting each of our members to reach out to their guests in various ways, almost reaffirming post-pandemic that spas can do various things for health and well-being as well as the physical relief of massage and now, and now, now you said that very very quickly then Yvonne you said the UK Spa Association what is the UK Spa Association and and what's its remit so the UK Spa Association is the UK's um, only not-for-profit trade organization supporting all um, operators suppliers consultants basically the entire spa industry from a professional concept so we are um, there to provide membership. Obviously, once people are members of ours, we then support them in various aspects, such as networking events, educational resources, guidance. Um, most recently, we have been part of the trade kind of um, task force for government. So we um, are very proud to say that members of our team have fought very, very fiercely for the SPA to have its own sector in government, and that's never happened before. Um, and that obviously sits alongside quite nicely the leisure sector, which we've obviously got their side. And, and we're still still a work in progress on that. But, you know, we still sit across various areas, but we finally have a voice in government, which then is making consumers more aware of what we can do and the benefits that can happen when they come to a spa. You mentioned the, in inverted commas, the swimming pool guests could find in a spa. And yes, you you may or may not find people use it to swim up and down and do length training, et cetera. So if we compare a typical public leisure center where you've probably got a lot of straight-sided pools, they are attractive to people for fitness swimming, for distance swimming, stamina, strength training, et cetera. Lighting around it has got to be sort of coverall in terms of safety. It would be lifeguarded. There would be rules and regulations, controls, etc. And yet the perception of a spa is probably anything opposite to that. Pools that don't have a predominance of straight sides, much more sympathetic lighting, probably not have a lifeguard on duty, although you know, we, we do accept CCTV. Even though there's got those differences between the two, do the both pools have to have to abide by the same technical rules for its operation? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of operating a pool, any spa operators have to go through their pool chemical training. They need to adhere to the industry standards. A swimming pool, like you say, in a leisure centre compared to a a spa pool is absolutely no different in terms of legislation, cleanliness, hygiene. As you say, yes, lifeguards, because of the depth of many spa pools um, and the fact that they're on CCTV and the staff continuously wandering around as spa attendants, there's no necessarily requirement for lifeguard. But again, we we do find that operators in the industry, if any guests have any concerns like that, they will happily um, talk them through lifeguarding procedures, et cetera, should they be concerned. As we've emerged from the last 12 months of lockdowns and restrictions, and and, and hopefully uh, the whole industry can emerge from that now, where, where do you see the, the spa resort and the spa in industry moving? Oof. I see it growing vastly. (laughs) Obviously, there's going to be a recovery period, as with any other industry at the moment. But now, I mean, spas were always going to come back big. 
So people were always going to come back out of something like a pandemic or even just a, a small closure and be needed. But I think now people will need that more than ever. And the way that the spa industry has managed to pivot its offering, provide online things, do different areas of you know, advice for regular guests or members, the spa industry has been very resilient in terms of how they, they've looked after the consumers and how they've communicated to them during this time. So I think now we're going to be just needed more than ever, which is great because it gives people like us more chance to support the industry as they grow, provide more educational resources and signposts to various aspects should they be needed. But yeah, I think the only way is up for the spa industry, really. Okay. I, I want to come back, if, if, if you don't mind, Yvonne, to something which you said um, earlier on, and that is you've now got over 900 spas. Is that across all four home countries or is that just England and Wales? It's across all four home countries. It's across all four, yeah. So would it be reasonable to say that everybody is probably within, I don't know, 10 miles of a spa? Yeah, give, yeah, yeah. obviously, okay. depending so, on rural areas. And, but yeah, and, be a spa. And, does, and does a spa have to, therefore... Does it have to have certain facilities before it can be called a spa? You know, can a hotel can a hotel just have a very small swimming pool and call it a spa? Or does it have to have treatment rooms? Does it have to have a bubble pool, etc.? It has to have treatment rooms. Um, now, we could go back with my academic head on from years gone by and go over exactly what constitute a spa. Does it, you know, look at the 10 domains, water, movement, fitness, nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. More so today. Yes, if you've got treatment rooms, if you've got some kind of wet or thermal facility, and obviously if you're a hotel, then you're typically classified as a spa. Some places do have no spot, no pool, and they do just provide treatment rooms. For example, mm-hmm. again, going back to those city centre spas, but they're still able to provide the relaxation benefits. They're still able to provide a relaxation area, the food and nutrition to go alongside the, the wellness aspect of it and the treatments to match. So... It, it does vary and you will find some differentiation where, you know, businesses what? are classed as spas without a pool. What's a city centre spa? A city centre spa to me is something located typically within a hotel, within a built up area. So, for example, Manchester City Centre has many hotel spas. There are a couple of standalone day spas, but more often than not, they're found within the hotels. London, and I do talk about city hotel spas purely because of the size. So, again, because in the areas of London, you haven't got vast space to start having full length swimming pools and 15 to 20 treatment rooms. Typically, you're looking around eight treatment rooms. a smaller pool and then potentially the thermal areas as well by thermal areas are you talking about saunas and steam rooms and things like that yeah absolutely so saunas steam rooms we're now finding more um ice rooms kind of ice chambers um infrared saunas you know the variety now is pretty expansive and then you know we've talked about city spas and things and then you do have the larger i suppose resort spas as you said and if i'm allowed to mention kind of brand names on here the likes of center parks where they are very different in their offering and if you go into center parks you're looking at about 25 thermal experiences and the pool and then you've got the treatment side so that's where spas do really differentiate on is a pool important well absolutely somewhere like that because more people potentially go for a treatment if they're staying in the lodges. If they're going for the day, like myself, I would not have a treatment, but I'd spend more time going around the experiences and using the, you know, the pool area. Yeah. And how important is the spa and the various treatments then that you can get, whether they have a pool or not, is that to a hotel's business? 
absolutely hugely but you know to me it's invaluable it's been great to see over the last 10 years or so more and more general managers recognizing that spa is a significant part of their one revenue you know in terms of what they bring in but you know many years ago it did used to be the and potentially even still now dare I say that it's still the additional so if a guest complains in the hotel it used to be that they'd get a free spa treatment and that's no longer the case because people are seeing the value that a guest coming and spending that revenue in their business and spending an entire day you know if a guest comes into a restaurant for example and spends three hours sat at a table they could spend 80 pound give or take Mm. If they come into a spa, that's their treatment sometimes. Yeah. You know, that's just the treatment alone. Never mind the additional facilities, lunch use, retail products, etc. In terms of from a business revenue point of view, massively valuable, but also to a um, reputation point of view, again, equally as valuable. Do you find that guests come on their own or are they usually in groups or couples or... Uh, yeah, I was going to say more so groups and couples, potentially. You know, I've, I've had several friends that have gone for a spa day on their own and I, I personally would love it, but I do know a lot of people. And again, it could be that factor of, you know, going to a spa, what to do, what not to do. Often, if you've got so many different arrays of thermal experiences and pools, it's better, you know, it's, you feel more comfortable in a group because you're all going to go in together or, you know, if you go in the wrong one or don't know what you're doing, it's yeah. that kind of confidence. And again, that's where the UK Spa Association work with our operators to encourage that message of communication with their guests. Do spas promote a, a spa weekend or is it normally a spa day? You know, think of if you, if you came for a weekend, A, is there enough there to accommodate somebody for a, for a full weekend? And if they do, is it a package that includes a room in a hotel, your evening dinner, etc. Really both is the, the answer to that. So a lot of hotels do offer that spa break, if you like, mm. and that might include one night or two nights, and it'll include a treatment per guest, dinner, breakfast, etc. And then you'll find that it'll include facility usage. Now, obviously, from a, an occupancy perspective, they that would normally be booked and pre-booked. So you might go for a whole weekend, but you may not have access, depending on the specific spa, to it on every single day during your stay. So you might book in your morning in the spa on the Saturday, and then the rest of the time you're expected to go out into the city or into the local area or use the rest right. of the hotel. Right. Um, whereas day spas, obviously, extremely popular. People feel like they've had a weekend away. You know, they can arrive at eight, leave at six, they get a nice little breakfast smoothie on arrival or they can go and order breakfast somewhere. Then they get a lunch and then depart shortly after, you know, just before dinner time. I'm, I, I'm actually quite excited, Yvonne, when, when you say that the use and the demand of spas is on the up and, and you can only see it going up because, yeah, you know, I, I, I know, you know, quite rudely said, you know, at the beginning, you know, our spas only used by sort of the, the well-to-do have got more time on their hands than they know what to do with. Uh, and I think it's great that, that that myth has been dispelled. It must be quite an exciting time for the, not just for the hotels, but the UK Spa Association as, as a whole. It is a great expensive area at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we look at other um, counterparts in the wider industry, such as globally, you know, we've mm. got the Global Wellness Institute, you've got the International Spa Association, both American based, but constantly driving that message of wellness and what constitutes wellness um, and spa is, is part of that, you know. We've got a huge amount of revenue coming in from this industry, globally and nationally. Um, And I think, yeah, it's only going to get bigger and better. Is our spa association in the UK and the use of hotel spas, is that mirrored in other countries? Is it a similar provision, say, I don't know, across Europe, say? What, in terms of our association offering? Well, your association, 
the UK Spa Association, and also the concept of the of the spa day, the spa weekend. Yes. So we um, not speak too often, but we can see counterparts in various countries that all have their own bar association, whatever, whether that's called the bar association, or it's called wellness association, or, you know, they have a different name for it. But yes, definitely spa is on the rise in many, many countries, not just European countries as well, further afield. Dubai, for example, you know, huge, huge market in terms of the wellness and again, hotel destination, spa market, the Maldives, etc. So it's definitely on the rise and it's great to see that it, it's mirrored in various countries. It's not just, you know, a UK thing and it's not just an American thing. I've got a question. Is there, a, is there an age limit to the people who can use the spa? I don't mean an older age limit, but I mean, can children use the spa, obviously accompanied by their families? So this is something that is becoming more and more kind of apparent, if you like. So typically for health and safety reasons, in terms of temperature regulation and thermal experiences, the age is roughly 16 in order to use those. More and more people are asking for their children to come in, have a treatment, etc. Now, in terms of pool usage, that is absolutely fine. And many hotel spas and otherwise, you know, more destination spas may have family time so that they purposely allow children in so as not to disrupt other guests that just want that solitude and peace. But there are also some spas in the UK that are offering tween spa days. And what they're doing is they're turning off the hotter temperature experiences so that they can't be you know, at risk of just a child wandering in and using yeah. them. Um, and they're providing safe kind of treatments, whether that be a little manicure or pedicure or, or whatever, a little lunch. And it, it almost, to me, encourages younger people to become aware of spas, what they can bring to you and what they can do and to start that off in the culture in the UK young is great because if we look at our bar counterparts and wellness counterparts in Austria and in Finland and Sweden etc they've all been sparring for a long long time they take the children it's a family event they will go and sauna on a Saturday as an entire family and our regulations here just don't allow that in terms of insurance. <laughs> I, I, can yeah. un- I can understand children obviously wanting to use the pools but how young would a children be to to benefit from a pedicure or a manicure? Well, in terms of when we say benefit, yeah. that. Or, or should we say have one? I've worked for companies where if the mum comes in next to them, they could just have their nails painted. It takes probably not even a half hour appointment. So from a yeah. revenue perspective, if there's somebody around, some hotel spas will always try and accommodate. Other spas, it's just not their policy. Hmm. Um, and they won't let children in. And that's you know fairly understandable if you think about the bigger hmm. remit as to why people go to spas in the first place. That does make sense because I think that, I mean, there's such an emphasis on working all the time and children, especially over the last 12 months, have really taken a hit because they've had to do all of their classes online. Mm. And it's kind of like, you know, you've got mum in the office working on the computer and the children downstairs working on the computer. So actually being able to go to a spa together and have your nails done, although it sounds like quite a simple thing, it's actually going to give them a lot in terms of relaxation and being able to just switch off and not be so stressed yeah absolutely and I think from one of the spas that I know that actively um offers tween days you know obviously outside of a pandemic and they're open they're very very popular and I mm. think they go as low as five years old don't quote me on that but I think they do go quite low in age it's all about personal you know personal preference I have a 12 year old stepdaughter she would love to come to a spa and at 12 years old I believe she's mature enough and would happily sit there and be quiet and you know enjoy the relaxation yes yeah. have a laugh in the pool etc but I think she'd get the benefits and obviously 
I suppose one of the risks of taking younger children and allowing them in is how do you tell a five-year-old not to jump around in the pool? You, yeah. you can't. So, you know, it's a very different experience, but I do think it's definitely a step in the right direction in terms of educating the younger consumer around wellness and what that what that can entail. I'm in the wrong place here, aren't I? Talking about five-year-olds having spa pamper days. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> <laughs> It's made me really want to go to a spa. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, and not just for the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> There's one within 10 miles of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yvonne, can I just thank you ever so much for giving us your time today? It's been absolutely eye-opening. Uh, and I'm glad we've been able to dispel a few of the myths around spas. And I'm even more delighted to hear you say that the use of spa resorts and even the number of spa resorts uh, is going up you know, up and up and up, you know, it can only be a, a good thing. So Yvonne Ebden from the UK Spa Association, thank you so much indeed for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a question about today's episode, then please contact us on our Facebook page or via email, pooltalkuk at outlook.com. Pool Talk is released every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.